Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. We hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus through these messages from our weekend worship gatherings. We are so glad you're joining us for our summer series at Vintage Church as we examine the life of Jesus through the eyes and experience of his most beloved disciple, John. We hope that you are curious and committed as we take a closer look at Jesus and reflect on what it means to live and love like Him. This is such an exciting day. It's a great day always when we, whenever we get to gather together. I love that we can gather in this room, that we can gather from your living rooms and we're all here as one body in Christ. And I am also so excited for Parkside Church. If you were uh, in here for the pre-gathering conversation, uh, you saw Ricky and Matt who is in Greenville, South Carolina with our friends, Matt and Deborah Rhodes. They are planting a church in Greenville and today is their launch Sunday and they've been doing some pre like some preview services but today is like their official launch and I remember Vintage Church's official launch like we were here from the very beginning and it is so exciting to know that God is still doing amazing things that he is still planting churches in the hearts of people who are continuing to be obedient and and spreading the gospel I'm excited to be here today because I always love to get to talk uh, at Vintage Church. I love to get to preach. I love to get to bring the word because you are my family. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, uh, but we, my husband and I, we actually moved away from our family so that we could come here and uh, join with Matt and Ashley as they planted Vintage Church. And so we've seen some things. We've seen some things from the beginning and, and we moved away from our family like our actual, you know, blood family. And we moved here and I never knew how friends would so quickly become family. And I just like being able to be here with you guys. So that's all I'm saying about that. But about stories. So um, that's kind of like my favorite thing ever in the whole world is stories. I love stories stories. I like a good story. I like the kinds of stories that, that make you laugh so hard, like you can't get through it. You know, have you, do you know people who tell stories like that? Like they get so tickled about it that they can't actually tell you the story. And then you're, you're sitting there like, I, I still want to know. And then they have to get up and go to the bathroom so they don't pee in their pants. I love stories like that. I love stories that are so captivating that they, you know, they keep you on the edge of your seat. I love stories that, that make us cry. Stories are so important. Stories, they, they're the things that keep us around the dinner table. Long after we've had dessert, long after the waiter has refilled our water for the 50th time, and he's like, look, y'all are just going to have to be thirsty and get out of here. Um, I love stories that keep us here. That's what stories do. Stories connect us to one another. They connect us to ideas. They connect us over time and space. One of the cool things that's happened uh, in the last six months in our family, and I don't really know what sparked it, but my oldest son, Judah, he's almost eight. Uh, every night when he goes to bed, he always asks me to tell him a story about when he was a baby. And he's just kind of all of a sudden gotten very curious about, well, who, who was I then? Tell me about all the cute things that I did. He did a lot of cute things, so we really don't run out of stories. But they, they kind of help us to fill in the blanks. They, they help us to, to learn our history. Stories help us to, to see the world through someone else's eyes or in someone else's time. 
Stories are those things that inspire us. When we hear stories of, of people who persevere, people who overcome adversity, it's those kinds of stories that, that keep us going, that help us to have courage, to help us not give up. Stories are what keep us like binge watching TV shows. Like the stories are just so good. Like we can't, it's like next episode, next episode, next episode. We gotta know how it ends. Right now, guys, I'm watching The West Wing, um, which is like back from early 2000s. And I, I love it. I need to know like who's, who's gonna be elected president. I don't wanna watch it in real time. I wanna watch it 10, 15 years ago. Um, uh, so that's why we, we binge watch TV shows. Stories are, are what keep us in a good book way past our bedtime because we cannot go to sleep until we know how it ends. Do you guys like stories? Do you know that feeling of just being like captivated and sucked in by a really good story? Well, I love stories. And, and I think that also stories are vital to our faith. I think they're so important and in fact, we have, as I was thinking, we've spent the last week, the last 12 weeks telling stories about Jesus, going through the gospel of John. But when I really started to think about it, we have actually spent every Sunday in 2020 telling stories. Now, a lot of times we'll do series that are kind of topical. You know, we'll talk about peace or we'll talk about marriage and we kind of pull in, you know, scriptures from all over the Bible. But for the, whole, the entirety of 2020, we have told stories. We told stories back in, in January, February, and March at our series called Courageous. And we recounted stories of Moses and Joshua and Jonah and Nehemiah. And then we moved into our Easter season with the Aftermath series. And we talked about Jesus and we told the story of his death and his resurrection. And then we told stories about the early church, about the, the fathers of our faith, what the early Christians did and how they lived. And then we've spent the last 12 weeks in the Gospel of John, once again, looking at stories and sometimes hearing them for the, the hundredth time. And so many times like I've sat here and I've listened to Matt tell these stories. And sometimes like, I don't even wanna take notes. Like I just wanna hear the story because the stories of Jesus are so rich. And it's not necessarily what's actually on the page, right? The story is, is in what we know, like it can piece together from the context of the culture. It's what we know about people. It's what we know to be true about God. And then we see this like three-dimensional narrative of Jesus rise off of the pages. And it's been so exciting to, to go through all of these stories. It's been such an inspiring thing. And y'all, we're not done. We're gonna actually spend the next nine weeks in my favorite series of the year, Live Love. Live Love is a time that we get to once again tell the story about how God planted this church in Matt and Ashley's heart and how they moved away from their home and gathered some people around them to, to plant this church, the, to start this movement of God. And we get to tell those stories once again. And so I hope that you're excited about the next nine weeks of, of hearing all of those stories because stories help us to remember. Stories help us to remember our purpose, remember why we're here, why we're doing whatever it is that we're doing. And I love that even Jesus himself, he 
relied on stories. Jesus relied on stories to, to answer questions. He relied on stories to tell us about the kingdom of God because he knew that he, yes, he could just give us an answer, but he knew that we would remember a story. Like the man who asked Jesus, hey, I, I know that we're supposed to love, our, like love God with all our heart and all that, and I know we're supposed to love our neighbor as yourself, but who's my neighbor? Well, instead of Jesus just giving a list of like, well, this is who your neighbor is, Jesus tells a story. He tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And we remember the story of the Good Samaritan. We even have organizations like Samaritan's Purse that's based on that story that Jesus told. He tells the story of the prodigal son, the son who, who left, gave up his inheritance. He took it all and found himself without anything and, and needing to, to go home again. He tells us the story of the lost coin, of the lost sheep. We remember stories. Stories are so important to our faith because stories help us believe. John chapter 20, he, he says toward the, the end of his gospel, starting in verse 30, he said, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. That's very true. Uh, John actually records only seven of Jesus's miracles. In, the, in all four gospels, Jesus, it, it's recorded, uh, it's like 35 different miracles are recorded. And John only tells us seven of those. So he says, it's not everything that Jesus did is not in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. That's the whole reason that John tells us any of these stories is so that we may believe because stories inspire us. Stories stir something up in us and move us to belief. He says then at the end, the very, very, very last verse of his gospel, John 21, 25, he says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. I love that verse. It's one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible because it kind of kind of takes my breath away. Like, are you like Jesus lived for 33 years? John knew him for three, and you're telling me that everything that you saw like wouldn't the, the world couldn't contain the books to record the things that, that you saw about Jesus? But then I think like those aren't the only stories that Jesus has told. Jesus tells stories in our lives. Jesus tells stories through our lives. We could keep writing books about what God has done in us. Telling stories was a foundational piece of Jewish culture. So it's very normal that John would have written these things down because from very early on, they were taught to tell the stories, tell about what God has done. Moses, when he led the Israelites out of slavery, out of Egypt, through the desert for 40 years, finally made it to the promised land or right across the river from the promised land. The last few months of his life and Moses takes the time in Deuteronomy to recount everything that God had done, to recount all of the commands that he had given. And while he's saying this in Deuteronomy 6, starting in verse four, he says, listen, Israel, the Lord our God, 
The Lord is one. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. Let these words that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, let that be something that you continue to tell your children, that you continue to declare in your cities, in your homes. And later he, in the, kind of the end of uh, chapter six, he also says like one day, you need to know this and you need to write this down because one day your kids are gonna come to you and they're gonna ask you like, why? What is, what is all of this about? Why, why are we supposed to love the Lord our God with all of our heart? Why are we supposed to keep all of these commandments? I mean, I've never seen the commandments. Like they're on these tablets in the ark. Like I don't, why God or why dad? Why mom? Why are we supposed to do this? And Moses gives them words. He says, when that time comes and they're questioning why we're doing all of this, tell them the story. Tell them that our people were enslaved in Egypt and, and by Pharaoh and that God brought us out of Egypt to bring us into the land that he promised. But he brought us into this land, not just to live however we wanted to live, but he wanted us to thrive. He wanted us to prosper. So he gave us these commands, these, these guardrails so that we would continue to live a life that looked back to God that looked back to his hand. They, he wanted to make sure that the children knew of God's faithfulness, God's love, so that they might also believe and follow God's commands. And you know that song that we just sang, The Blessing? Well, that was not written by, I mean the music was, but those words were not written by modern day songwriters. Those are words that God spoke to Moses, that the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face to shine upon you, the Lord lift his countenance upon you, be gracious to you and give you peace. God spoke that to Moses. He said, hey, Moses, you need to teach this to Aaron, your brother, and to all of the priests, because I want this to be a blessing on the people of Israel. I want this to be the blessing that my children know, the children of Israel, that that I want my presence to be with them. Because when we sing the blessing, sometimes we, you know, we're, we're asking for God's favor for generations and generations. We, we, oftentimes when we think about blessing, we think about money, we think about possessions, but that's not what God's blessing is. When we're asking for God's blessing, we're asking for God's favor, we're asking for God's presence. Because the blessing is knowing who God is. And so we keep telling his stories. We even see people telling the stories of Jesus during Jesus's life. You go back to John chapter four, when he encounters the Samaritan woman and he, he sits down with her and he tells her all these things that he knows about her, even though like she doesn't know him. And they have this wonderful conversation and in it, she feels so loved and so seen that she goes back to her town to tell about what has happened. If you look in John chapter four, starting in verse 28, it says, the woman left her water jar, went into town and told the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? 
they left the town and made their way to him. So they got curious because of what she said. They started to believe because of the story that she told about the encounter she had with Jesus. Verse 39, now many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there for two days. Many more believed because of what he said. And they told the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said since we have heard for ourselves and know that this really is the savior of the, of the world. When we know Jesus and we experience his remarkable love, we should want to tell others about it. And we hope that through the words and through the stories that we tell, that they come to believe in Jesus because we, we want them to experience this abundant life that we have too. And Paul, he says basically the same thing. He, in Romans chapter 10, starting in verse eight, it says, what does it say? The word is near you, it's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And isn't that what we want? Like as believers, and you, you hold this thing, you hold this, this love, this belief inside you, and it changes who you are. And it's so incredible that you want other people to know about it. You want other people to experience this salvation, but how does that happen? Well, Paul asks the same things. He says, how? How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom that they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now we read this and we think, okay, I know I'm supposed to tell people about Jesus. Oh, but that's my loophole. It says preach. It says, how can anyone preach unless they are sent? Oh, I, I'm not a preacher. That's not my job, that's yours, right preacher? It's not my job. That's, that's the loophole, right? We think, well, it's my job as a believer to follow Jesus, to live and love like him, but I'm gonna leave the talking to the preachers. Well, here that word preach simply means to proclaim the truth of what you have experienced. It doesn't mean somebody who stands on a platform. It means tell what you know, tell your story. It says to tell the good news, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. If Jesus is good news to you, tell about it. And it's like, so, sometimes we're like, well, I mean, yes, Jesus is good news. I mean, he just is, he just is good news, right? right? Like I just experience it, I just live it. I don't have the words. Well, I just wanna encourage you today, find the words. If somebody looked at you and said, what has Jesus done in your life? Why in the world, look at, look at the world around us. 
why in the world do you still believe in God? Why do you keep singing about Jesus? Why do you post these things on the Instagram and the Facebook? Why do you keep telling people about Jesus? Look at everything. Sometimes we just wanna say, well, I just, I just do. I wanna encourage you today, find some words. Find the story. Find what it is that Jesus has done in your life because Paul goes on to say, verse 17, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. I'm sitting here, I'm telling you that you need to know your stories. That you need to be able to communicate why you believe. And most of the time, it's not just one thing. It's not just one encounter with Jesus that you had that makes you believe. Now, there might've been one that was like the beginning, but I wanna tell you a story today because it would be kind of crazy if I stood up here and talked about telling stories and didn't actually tell a story, right? I wanna tell you a story, uh, one that I continue to go back to, something that happened in my life that always reminds me that Jesus is faithful and that he will always be with me. So when I was in college, about my junior year, I had an opportunity to go on a mission trip. Now, full disclosure, it was to Germany. I really just wanted to go to Germany. I had a passport and so I went. And uh, we went to go visit three young ladies who were on the mission field, who had also graduated uh, from the same school that I went to, it was at Southern Wesleyan University. And we, we flew to Germany and we're sitting in, in these girls' apartment and they were just telling us the story. They were telling us the story about how God called them onto the mission field, about how God spoke to them about how God moved them to take this step of faith. And as I sat there, I just, I felt the Lord start stirring in my heart. And I thought, God, look, I just wanted to go to Europe. Okay. I didn't, I'm not, I'm not here for this. And I just felt God stirring in my heart and through their stories and the questions that they, they asked, two things really stood out in my mind as I was kind of wrestling with this. God, are you calling me on the mission field? Do you want me to be a missionary? All I could see was like me having to leave my hair dryer in America and going to Africa and having no electricity. And I was like, I'm not here for that. Uh, <laughs> it was, but this, the questions that kept coming to mind were, what would keep you from going? And are you willing to give that up so that more people can know about Jesus? Well, like most questions that God asks you, the questions are both weighty but easy to answer. The first question was, what would keep you from going? Well, the thing that would keep me from going was my family. Not because my family would have kept me from going, they wouldn't have made me stay in America, they wouldn't have you know, cut up my passport or anything like that, uh, but I love my family. They're pretty incredible. And especially at this time, uh, I had a five-year-old brother because my junior year of high school, my parents surprised us and said like, oh, we're gonna have a baby. I was like, I'm 16 years old, what? So I was looking at the prospect of going overseas and leaving behind my family and my little brother. His name was Will. Will is, 
you know, who's like my child. I held him as a baby and all the days and he felt like mine. And, and leaving him, leaving my family, that would have been the thing that would keep me from going. And if I was willing to give that up, well, that answer was easy also because Jesus has given up everything for me and I knew that full well. And so right there, I had my answer. I was going on the mission field. So I graduated from college and that summer I hopped on a plane and with a bag that I actually had to unpack in the airport because it was too heavy, they wouldn't let me get it, put it on the plane. <sighs> I headed to the Czech Republic where I would spend a year as a missionary. I taught English as a second language. I worked in a coffee shop and just had conversations about Jesus and what he had done in my life. Well, I hadn't been there for very long when I came across this quote that just like really held me captive. It was, if there's something that your faith wouldn't survive, then your faith isn't surviving. And I thought, wow, huh. If, if there's something that your faith wouldn't survive, then your faith isn't surviving. I remember after reading that, I was at our ministry center. I got on the bus to head back to my apartment. I remember sitting on that bus. I was like leaned up against the window. And I remember thinking, is there something that my faith wouldn't survive? And again, like all answers, it comes pretty quickly. I knew that if something happened to Will, especially while I was gone. I don't think that my faith could survive that. I think that it would crush me. And I remember praying, God, I, I don't want anything to happen to Will, but I also don't want to lose faith in you. What a dumb prayer pray. <laughs> I went to, back to my apartment, and I kept praying for about a week, God, whatever happens, whatever comes my way, no matter what it is, God, I don't wanna lose faith in you. I, I don't want my faith to fall apart. I, I always wanna believe in you. I always wanna be able to trust you. Well, about a week later, I got a phone call from my dad and we were just talking. It wasn't unusual for, for us to talk via calling card. And I asked, you know, how is everybody doing? And he was like, well, um, something's going on with Will. I was like, really? What's going on? He said, well, I think, uh, we think you might have like a really bad case of strep throat. I was like, oh, well, just give him some antibiotics. He'll be fine. Okay. And he said, but it's weird because like antibiotics aren't working. He's, he's still got this fever. He's just really listless. We, we just really, we don't know what's, what's going on, but we'll keep you posted. So the next day, talked to him again and he was like, he's, he's worse. And over the, the course of the next few days, um, Will stopped eating. He um, had a seizure. He stopped breathing and uh, they had to rush him to the hospital. Had no idea what was going on. Thought maybe it was meningitis. Uh, they did a spinal fluid test thing. I'm not a doctor. Spinal tap, is that what it's called? Thank you medical person down here <laughs> and um, just didn't know what was going on. He was not responsive, he was, but he was in a lot of pain. So they rushed him to uh, Mission Hospital in Asheville 
and I am halfway around the world. I have no idea what's going on. I don't understand what's happening, and I can't get there. I can't put my eyes on him. I don't know if everything's going to be okay. In the middle of this, our ministry team, our mission team, went to another city in Europe for a missions conference where all the missionaries in Europe gathered around uh, to, to be encouraged, to, uh, just to, to be refreshed. Well, I felt like my head was detached from my body. I, I didn't know what was going on. I, I was like, I wasn't here and I wasn't there. And I just began to pray like, God, what is your will? Like, if you are willing, take this cup from us. If you are willing, heal my little brother. Because I, all I could think of was what Jesus prayed. If you are willing, take this cup from me, but not as I will, but as you will. God, if it's not your will, if it's not your will to heal him, okay. And it's the scariest prayer that I've ever prayed in my whole life. Of God, whatever, whatever the outcome is, okay, I trust you. We had internet and I got an email uh, from, actually from my, my pastor at home that informed me that Will's kidneys were starting to shut down. And we all know what happens when, when organs start to fail. He's five years old. And I was like, are you kidding me? I mean, he can be sick. But he can't die. And my team and all the missionaries, about 15 missionaries from countries all over the world, gathered around me. They started to pray. And they prayed for Will's healing and they prayed for my peace. And we sing that song about another in the fire that, that God's like standing in the water and he's holding back the sea. And that's what it felt like. All of a sudden, like, it felt like I was held. I had no guarantee of an outcome. I had no assurance that everything was gonna be okay, except that no matter what happened, everything would be okay. And so I felt God holding me in this peace. And so when we read about that peace that surpasses understanding, I can tell you right now, I have experienced it and I have lived it. And that is the love of Jesus holding us. The next day, I, I mean, we prayed, we prayed all day. I prayed all night long. The next day I walked across the parking lot to a phone booth to call my dad. And I said, dad, how's Will? And he said, well, he's asked for something to eat. <laughs> so I think he's gonna be okay. And I remember hanging up the phone and walking across the parking lot and I was just so thankful and so grateful, not just because of the outcome, but because I knew in that moment that no matter what that phone call would have been, that God's presence would not have been any less real, that his peace would not have been any less comforting. 
Will is now a junior in college. He's over six feet tall. He's much taller than me. And every time I see him, I think of that story. And I think about God's presence is the promise that he gives. And I tell you this story today, not because every story you need to hear comes from a platform, but you have a story to tell. You have a God story. It might be a story that makes people laugh. It might be a story that makes people cry. But either way, it is a story that declares that Jesus has changed you, that he has made you a new creation. And sometimes that's the problem, right? We, we have a hard time telling our stories because the people that we need to tell them to, they know us too well. Sometimes it's easier to act like who we've always been than to become the new creation that you are in Christ. But I wanna ask you today, what story is your life telling? Does your life tell more about who you are or more about what Jesus has done for you and who he is? Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And that is my story. And there are events and there are things in my life that point to that, that Christ lives in me. And everything that I do is because of something that he has already done for me. Jesus loves me so I can love others. Jesus forgave me so I can forgive others. Jesus is gracious and merciful and kind toward me. Therefore, I can be merciful and gracious and kind toward others. And people are gonna ask you, why are you this way? Why do you live this way? And when they ask, I want you to have your answer ready. That the only reason that we do anything good, that there's anything worthy of note is because Jesus has already done it for me. He has already done it for me. And so let us know full well what the Lord has done for us so that the stories that we tell with our mouths and the stories that we live in our lives inspire people to live and love like Jesus. Heavenly Father, you are the author and perfecter of our faith. You are the author of our lives. You have written our stories in eternity. So God, I pray that as we proclaim that you reign above it all, that you remind us of the story that you have written. Remind us of the stories that you have to tell. And God, may I be so bold as to ask, give us the opportunity to tell it, to tell the world about you. We give you this time and we give you all the glory. In your name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We hope that what you experience today inspires you to live and love like Jesus. Stay connected with what's happening at Vintage and grow deeper in your faith by downloading the Vintage Church app. Through this app, you have access to sermon notes, upcoming events, 
devotionals, additional podcasts, and opportunities to connect in community. You can easily download our app by going to app.vintagechurch.net. We hope you join us again soon.